Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, U.S. Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey. As always with me is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Dee 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 dee. And today we are going to be focusing on the Nintendo Switch and also that little game, uh, you know, it's coming out with it or something, uh, Spectre of Torment. No, wait, actually. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a pretty good game. Not as good as the rest of the Shovel Knight games, in my opinion, but still good. That's good to hear. You should be able to find my review of that, by the way, on the site. No, we're going to be talking about Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And by the way, we're... <laughs> Okay, so we have not finished the game. Uh, no. Not as further into it than I am. But we're basically going to be talking, like, from our own experience. Um, mm-hmm. And this is, like, limiters are off in terms of spoilers. So um, if they hurt your freaking ears, um, I would suggest <laughs> that you, uh, uh, well, don't listen. Um, yeah. But, yeah, spo- people are very, very sensitive about spoilers and... I understand. And by the way, the freaking ears thing was a like a poorly executed Simpsons reference. I, I apologize. Don't want my freaking ears. I expect that kind of language at Denny's, but not here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, we're 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 not going to be that mindful about spoilers. So, and I will also include it in the headline. But yeah, uh, there was. I mean, there's a lot to talk about right now, uh, Nadia. I mean. There's a ridiculous, like, just kind of explosion of gaming goodness. Um, we have Horizon Zero Dawn. We have Nier Automata. We have mm-hmm. Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, all of which, to one extent or another, are is an RPG. Hell, we have Torment Tides of Numenera, which nobody is talking about because it came out at exactly the wrong time. Poor Torment. It's like a... It says if RPGs are like, remember those like fruit gushers and you bite into it and it has all this juicy stuff inside? Mm. It's all packed in there. Mm-hmm. That's what RPGs are right now. I'm very hungry. I have had a fruit gusher not too long ago. Really? Oh, I can't find them here. Really? Yeah, yeah. they're hard to find. They're around. I think I've, I see them at Walgreens from time to time. Oh, there's my problem. I don't have a Walgreens. It'd be nice <laughs> to go back to like being 10 or something and just be able to eat fruit gushers. Mm. Also fruit roll-ups. Oh my god, just thinking about this stuff makes my teeth hurt because I have cavities. Oh, I'm sorry. I wish I was a child again. But I can play Zelda and that makes me feel like a child again. Yeah, Zelda. Yeah, we'll be talking a lot about Zelda. We'll also be giving some of our impressions on the Switch. Um, And, oh man, Nadia, I got Super Robot Wars V. Can I have like a Super Robot Wars minute? Be my guest. Because it's, it's kind of like the Cat Bailey Sports Minute, but now it's the Cat Bailey Super Robot Minute. Super Robot Wars Minute. <laughs> so Super Robot Wars V is the new uh, tactical RPG. Um, it's kind of like SD Gundam, but it has a lot more robots. And also it's not a grindathon. It actually has a story that you progress through. Um, and this one like stands out to me for a few reasons for one thing it goes back to the isometric map rather than just being an overhead map mm-hmm. which was something that was really bothering me about yeah. the uh, the previous game because especially looked terrible on the ps4 um Ooh. and it has actual like full you know headshots like you actually see the characters like standing and talking to one another as opposed to just being a little icon in a box yeah i saw that on twitter you shared a picture of that yeah it looks much better and it has uh, Space Battleship Yamato 2199, which is one of my favorite shows, and it leads with it. 
Oh, and nice. so like I was super excited. Like I was like, all right. Yeah. He, one of my favorite stories. Um, once the music got going, I was kind of bopping along to it. And then like, this is super robot wars at its best. When a show that you really like is prominently featured mm-hmm. and hasn't been run into the ground yet, because there are some <laughs> stories that super robot wars has run into the ground at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Gundam Seed is one of them, for example. Mm. And then some of them go away for a long time, and then they come back, and you're like, yay, they're back, hooray. Uh, like, Gundam Double Zeta's back. Um, I don't like Gundam Double Zeta at all, but I like the I like the machines, and I kind of like the characters, so it's kind of nice to have them back in the game, just so that I can use them. They're a charming old friend. But here's the, here's the kicker, Nadia, and it even got Mike interested Ooh. It has English. It's in English. Really? Yep. Uh, if you buy the Asian version, much like SD Gundam G Generation Genesis, it will be in English. And the so far, the, the translation isn't terrible. I mean, I don't think <laughs> it's pretty mechanical and very straightforward. Um, but I don't think it's not like completely insanely illegible like Super Robot Wars Moon Dwellers was. Like that mm-hmm. game was just a freaking mess. It was ridiculous. So well, when you're talking about giant robots, maybe mechanical isn't so bad anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Nadia. <laughs> Straightforward. Um, there you go. I unfortunately do not have any time whatsoever to play this because literally every second that I'm playing Super Robot Wars V is a second that I am not playing Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's be honest, all I want to do is play Zelda right now, and. Sadly, I'm going to have to table it pretty soon. I'm not nearly as far as I would like to be because I've been busy with work. The irony. The irony. I'm having to write about video games, and that's keeping me away from playing video games. At this very second, my Switch is sitting next to me, taunting me, (laughs) going, you can play (laughs) Play Zelda right now, but instead you're going to sit there and talk about it. I think your priorities are misplaced, Catherine. (laughs) I think so, too. Uh, right now, my husband's playing it in the bedroom, and so I'm I'm all cheesed off because it's going to be like ah, oh, by the time I get to play it, it's going to be un- it's good- battery's going to be drained, and I'm going to have to play it on the TV like a schlub. <laughs> we are a two Zelda household. Um, nice. Last Saturday, I drove around like it was like 1999, <laughs> looking for a copy of Zelda on the Wii U because I didn't want to download it onto my Wii U and have to delete SMT. Uh, uh, sharp fe mm-hmm. so uh and i found it i found it after driving to like three different best buys nice good yes. job thank you so now we have two zeldas we have one on the wii u we have one on the switch and i um yeah but i've been playing the switch version and i've been really surprised how portable friendly it's been but we'll get to that yeah we got a lot to discuss let's let's start out with kind of our impressions of the switch so nadia what do you think do you like it does it work is it everything that you wanted it to be it works it's, it's more or less what i expected it to be um it, it's funny how uh, someone pointed out uh gizmodo is just like trashing the thing to hell and back whereas kotaku is pointing out you know how it has its flaws but it's, it has a lot of great potential and, and people are pointing out why are these two reviews so different and someone point if someone mentioned well Gizmodo is really a, a tech site, whereas Kotaku, of course, is a game site. And when you come right down to it, yeah, the Switch is kind of a, a clunky piece of hardware, but uh, I really like it for what it is, to be honest with you, because I can see the potential. Um, 
I was not expecting to fall in love with handheld Zelda the way I did, but as he said, that's a discussion for another time, for later on. So Mike and I had a big discussion about this on Monday, um, which, by the way, you can go find that on YouTube. Um, yeah, we were talking about, you know, the missing features of the Switch, which are well-documented, uh, some of the hardware problems, which are well-documented at this mm-hmm. point. Um, I like the Switch a lot. Mm-hmm. I like have actually been really stunned by how fond I've already become of the switch. It's funny. It looks kind of like a giant Lynx with a much better screen. It does. Doesn't it? it I'm thinking to myself, okay, this reminds me that. of a particular handheld. It's the stupid Lynx. You're right. <laughs> but with a much bigger screen, a much nicer screen. I'm really surprised at how nice the screen is. I know it's, it's covered with plastic instead of uh, gorilla glass, but that doesn't really bother me. I haven't had any issues with scratching, but I put on a screen protector like yesterday. I really should do that because I'm actually kind of afraid of scratching the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the proof of concept, like the the idea behind it, works really well. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's the most both, important thing. I've played both the portable version and I've played the uh, the handheld version, and even a little bit of kickstand. Oh, I haven't done the kickstand yet. I should. Yeah, like I keep it on my desk and periodically I'll just break it out and start mm-hmm. playing um like Shovel Knight or something. Right. Which Shovel Knight is fine on the um Shovel Knight is just fine on the uh, actual like handheld version. Mm-hmm. Uh but I I kind of prefer to be able to play it with a regular controller. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how uh people prefer their games because it really seems to vary game by game what people prefer TV or or handheld. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like, obviously, it's lacking a ton of features right now. Just a few. It's, just a few. It's it's lacking virtual console. Um, mm. It's lacking even the ability to swap out your micro SD card. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> um, it's lacking the ability to back up your saved data. Uh, it's ba- lacking, like, apps, like, basic app, apps like, like Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. It's lacking but, um, games. Yeah. I mean, Zelda will keep us busy for a while. And Blaster Master Zero seems to be a lot of fun. My husband's playing it a lot. Oh, but um yeah. I'm, I, what really got me excited was seeing the indie showcase last week. There was some really great stuff coming. Hmm. Yeah, like what, what What really stood out to you? Uh, SteamWorld Dig yeah. 2. Um, I'm kind of uh, blanking at the moment now, but... <laughs> no, there was some really cool-looking stuff. Um but uh, as I say, I- I'm ki- I've had a long had a long week, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm blanking. Yeah, but, I was uh, at um I was actually at the Nintendo Indies event. Oh, were last you? Week. Yes, I was. That's um, right, because you were at GDC. I was at GDC, so they had Shakedown Hawaii. Um, That's right. That looked good. They had Specter of Torment. They had Blaster Master Zero. They had um this game called Mr. Shifty. Yeah, um, that looked fun. Yeah, it looked okay. Um, there was some other stuff, but a lot of it was like stuff that was kind of unremarkable or stuff that was on other platforms. Mm-hmm. Having uh, Blaster Master Zero was pretty good. Yeah, that was a good idea to have that at launch. And I'm excited to play Shakedown Hawaii on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope Cosmic Star Heroine's going to come out on it, but I'm kind of like skeptical that it will because. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was like watching Twitter, like Robert Boyd seemed ambivalent about it. I see. 
But with dev kits being so cheap, like 600 bucks, I mean. But uh, I think more or less what hap- what is happening with the Switch is what most of us have predicted. That is to say, uh, Nintendo got it out fast enough for the investors to be happy. Uh, the early adopters snapped it up. And um, everyone else, well, they had no choice but to wait now anyway, because the thing sold out everywhere. Uh, so Nintendo took a gamble, and I, I guess for the most part it paid off. Uh some people are really irritated by how bare bones the Switch is in its current form, but I don't think anyone really expected any less. Um, I no, nobody really expected any less. Uh, but it's been selling out everywhere, which is not surprising. Like it's going out to the Nintendo fans. Let's be honest. Yeah, and um, I- I'm glad for that. I'm glad to see strong sales because that is what will get third parties on board. And in the end of the day. Uh, so far, it seems like Nintendo is doing what I said that maybe it would be a good idea for them to do, and they're going really hard after indies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if anything, like that's going to give them the content that they need to fill out, fill in those like infamous content gaps. Yeah, I heard the guy uh, who's behind Axiom Verge is trying to get uh, uh, Axiom Verge onto the Switch, which which would be great. I haven't actually played that yet, and I'd love to. And- Oh, Portable yeah, Axiom Verge? I'd go for it. And, and it would look good on the, the Switch as well. Yeah, and uh, another indie I mentioned is uh, Stardew Valley has the multiplayer coming out um, for the Switch first and foremost, so that's pretty cool. You know, I might get Stardew Valley on Switch. Yeah, it's like, okay, you know what? I played through the game twice, um, <laughs> but Portable Stardew Valley? Uh, why do you do this to me? Yeah, that's the thing. Is like... It's such a good fit for the game. Like, mm-hmm. the platform and the game are basically a match made in heaven, in my mm-hmm. mind. Yeah. That, like, I just immediately want to play it on the Switch. And, like, it feels like the kind of game that I would bust out on an airplane or something. There are so many indie games out there that are so good for the Switch, and, I, and Nintendo obviously knew it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people talk about, like, the lack of, like, traditional AAA third party. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest... Nobody's going to buy freaking Assassin's Creed on a Switch. No, and I was uh, talking to someone on Facebook about that because he said, you know, basically he was saying how, oh, indies on the Switch, they don't really count. Like, they don't count as real releases. And given that Stardew Valley sold, like, a million on Steam, I think it counts. I mean, everybody has different gaming tastes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, like, <laughs> I would say Rocket League is an indie and that game did just fine. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and it's still very popular. My nephew loves uh, it. But most people I know, um, like they play like a couple of AAA games per year. and But mm-hmm. the rest of the time, like they're just grabbing random stuff on Steam. Yeah. Right? The, or or like uh, digital programs like, like PSN or something and are just playing like with smaller more accessible indies and that kind of thing like whatever the hot new indie is and it's not that they're being overly um it's not that they're being like super artistic or like like gushing over the latest walking simulator or night in the woods or whatever Mm. it's that indies fill every like niche and interest now and they do if you want a particular kind of game chances are it exists somewhere out there in the digital like world and these games play really well on like laptops and stuff you know mm-hmm. i play a lot on my laptop and they exactly. all run well yeah like people don't have 
you know, really nice desktops and everything for the most part. Like that's a kind of an elite thing. Um, mm-hmm. Like top level hobbyists who have money to burn. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, the indies fit really well in that circumstance. And then so like people will be like have a console and they'll have their laptop and that will fill all of their video game needs depending on like what their actual tastes are. Mm-hmm. And I, so yeah, like I, uh, my point is, is that we're kind of living in a world where a game does not have to have the best graphics to be successful, in my opinion. Uh, so basically what Nintendo has going is their, uh, their first party games, and they have like a really strong start with uh, Breath of the Wild, and um, where they don't have their first party games, they have some pretty good indies coming in, and I think that's a really good niche for them. Yeah. I mean, and we look at the Wii U... The Wii U had quote unquote AAA like Call of Duty Black Ops Two. Uh, it had FIFA. Yeah, <laughs> it had Madden. <laughs> it had um, Assassin's Creed Three. It had um, a bunch of other games, Mass Effect Three. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, "Yeah, so what?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we played all these. I'm the not going to play it on this system. Yeah. So what? I already own a PS3 or a 360. So like that's kind of how it goes, unless Nintendo is willing to be like. We are going to have a system on par with that of Sony and Microsoft. They're just not going to get the third-party development. Mm-hmm. Like Nintendo is very stubbornly determined to go their own way when it comes to uh, hardware development. That's fine. Like, yes, we don't need yeah. a third. We don't need a freaking third like Sony PS4 slash Microsoft um, Xbox One or whatever. No, the generations don't tend to really have the three contenders anymore. I mean, have they ever? Like, you had, uh, once the PlayStation came into town, the original, that, that was the end of the Saturn. and The GameCube. Uh, GameCube, Microsoft, uh, oh, GameCube, right. Xbox, and PS2. And it was, like, all PS2 all the time. And then yeah. <clears throat> the GameCube and the Xbox were the next tier down. Yeah. And putting aside, like, the fact that Nintendo had an image problem um which resulted in the GameCube being perceived as less powerful. Yeah. Um it like its games couldn't go online. So That's right. Nobody bought the 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 GameCube version because it wasn't it was offline. Like the like one of the exceptions I can think of is like Soul Calibur 2. <laughs> Just remembering those awkward growth spurts. Yeah, I look back on that time and there's some undeniably amazing games that come out at, came out at that period, but also a lot of really stupid games. I agree. Um, I love the GameCube. I mean, Me- Melee was a really important game, and Metroid Prime was incredible. But uh, and of course, Wind Waker. But even Mario Sunshine, it just didn't resonate with me. And the GameCube was not my favorite console. Gasp. Oh my God, the uh, the GameCube people, the GameCube <laughs> defense, all five of them come after you. Oh Jesus, Nadia. Jesus. <laughs> Hot takes, man. Hot takes. I will defend you. Don't worry. <laughs> Look, I own a GameCube. I remember so the I. content gaps well. Mm-hmm. It's always in hindsight that people are like, well, look at the GameCube's library. I mean, it has Metroid Prime and Wind Waker and like, look at all these games. Like, how could people have been bored? It has Smash Brothers. I mean, like, hey, yeah, those games came out like once a year. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, they were fantastic games. Prime, still looking back on Prime. I don't know why I, I was doing it, but I was recently just looking back at the game, and it, it's it, it's incredible. Mm. I still love it, but once a year, can't really do it, and I think Nintendo knows that this time around. Yeah, Prime came out. I remember when Prime came out, it was 
the big game for the GameCube in 2002. And I remember, like, the main narrative was that Splinter Cell was going to destroy um, uh, Metroid Prime. Aw, no way. I don't even remember that. That sounds like the stupidest thing on Earth. And in the end, I think Metroid Prime has had greater legs than Splinter Cell, but I'm going to go on a limb and say that Splinter Cell probably outsold Metroid Prime. Oh, probably. But um, (laughs) just... Given how little faith anyone had in Metroid Prime, I really still applaud Retro for how well they did with that one. They really did a phenomenal job. They did. It was, it was a great game, and I wouldn't mind seeing another one on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, God. Someday we got to have a Metroid uh, episode. So I, I know it's not an RPG, but I just need to have a bitch session about Other M. Uh, we can just make everything an RPG now. <laughs> we can justify it. We can do it, folks. I did a whole, I did whole a whole half of an episode talking about sports games. Going, no, they're totally RPGs. See the stats? All right, let's talk about them. <laughs> I just need no, an excuse. I just need an excuse. That holds up, though. I mean, look at a uh, fantasy football league, etc. People, that's <laughs> basically Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're you are you are preaching to the choir, Nadia. Oh, I know it. Absolutely. All right talked about enough about the switch like we've i think we've had many conversations about this let's talk about zelda yeah we can talk about zelda so nadia zelda mm-hmm. best game or best game of all time mm. uh <laughs> well after like putting up that article which should be a couple days old by this point about like all the people who react to link when he's like in the nude i'm gonna have to say grace of all time <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Like, the fact that you can run around naked and everybody argue. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing. So, here's where I am. I am... I just just finally unlocked, like, the photo album and, like, the bestiary and stuff. Oh, that's great. Not that far in. Not that far in. Because, Mm -hmm. frankly, like, I've spent a lot of time wandering, like, just Mm -hmm. trying to figure out and trying to get my bearings and everything. This world is gigantic. Yeah, it sprawls a bit. Yeah, it does sprawl a bit. And actually, I ended up having quite the argument with my girlfriend about Zelda the other night. Domestic. Yeah. Um, she, like, so for reference, she plays games, but she only plays Zelda. Cute. And Sm- she'll play Smash Brothers with us. Like, she'll play some games with us, but Zelda is, like, the one game for her, right? Right. Otherwise, she mostly just plays mobile. And... She really looks forward to every new Zelda because she loves solving puzzles. She mm-hmm. loves the the she loves just the look and the feel and the story. She loves the world. She loves the um just the the structure and the arc of it. Mm-hmm. And she really could take it or leave it when it comes to the combat. In fact, she is not a big fan of the 2D version, 2D Zeldas because they tend to be more combat focused right. over puzzles. Um, she complains all the time. Like I, I was making her play Link to the Past, and she was complaining all the time about the the killer moth in uh, <laughs> the Dark World. That moth does suck. Yeah, like the moth. Like she could not beat the moth, and she got really frustrated, and she never beat Link to the Past. Aw, which is kind of sad, right? But it is. So like she was like, Breath of the Wild is really different. Mm-hmm. Um. And I was like, well, that's not so bad. Like, Zelda's, like, done the same formula so many times. Like, it's about time that it kind of goes back to its roots and does something more exploration-focused. She's like, but I want Zelda. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, it is Zelda. Like, 
you're like Zelda's about the spirit of exploration. She's like, no, it's about puzzles. Yeah, you're going to play the witness. It's going to be a bit of an impasse there. I, I guess, but like it, it was, it was a pretty long arm. She's like, I get something out of Zelda that I never, I don't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, Zelda, like I don't get. There aren't other games like Zelda, really. Like some, some have attempted to do it, like Darksiders. Mm-hmm. Ocean um, Horn. But it's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Zelda is very much its own thing. Like people just don't do it. They they just don't know how to do it as well as Zelda. Nintendo. People are always like, "Why Zelda? Like, why is everybody so?" Because the design is so sublime, right? It is. It really is. So Only Zelda is Zelda. So Breath of the Wild, by comparison, like it's very different. It's like giant world. You're cooking. Your your weapons are breaking. Uh, very truncated puzzles in like the shrines and stuff. Yeah. So in a sense, like if you're looking for traditional Zelda goodness, I can see how you can be a little thrown by how different Breath of the Wild is. Yeah, but neither is it the the first time that Zelda's done something radically different. I mean, look at of course Ocarina of Time was the first real major shift for uh, except maybe Zelda too. The first real major shift for the series, and then Majora's Mask took that and did something completely different with it. Hmm. So, I mean, Wind Waker, uh, trust me, plenty of people complained about that. I don't want to sail around. I want to to walk around. I want to, you know, swing my sword. And then people look back on it now and say, wow, that game was Jesus. So. (laughs) They're wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I love Wind Waker, but it's it's not really my favorite. I like Wind Waker. In hindsight, I might like it better than Twilight Princess. That's kind of a, a, I'm not sure about that one. I have to really ruminate on that one. But I I love water and I love boats and sailing. So it does have that. Playing Twilight Princess HD made me realize that I I think that I prefer Wind Waker, which is, it used to be like I was 100% on the side of Twilight Princess. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved Twilight Princess. We've already talked about this, but um, playing Twilight Princess HD, I was like, oh, the pacing is really bad. Yeah, the pacing had some problems, but that and reminds Skyward me. Skyward Sword was even worse. And in fact, Breath of the Wild is like the diametric opposite of Breath of the Wild, and I could not be happier. Yeah, and that's very interesting to me because I wrote an article about it a while back about how uh, Skyward Sword did have some great ideas and some great characterization, and I'm glad to see that a lot of that carried over into Breath of the Wild. But they just kind of took it and made it a game worth playing. I mean... Skyward Sword, I still think, has some fantastic dungeons and some fantastic boss fights. Just, uh, the overworld is really seriously lacking. You'll forgive my my way of putting this. It's kind of a weird way to put it, but Skyward Sword was dungeon porn. <laughs> it really was, wasn't it? Yes, it was, um, like, it was just all about the huge, sprawling, very elaborate, very complicated dungeons that I just wanted to end already so that I could move on to the next thing. That's kind of why I'm all right with the shrines in Wind Waker, uh, not Wind Waker, sorry, Breath of the Wild. I, I prefer having a big overworld to having, you know, sp- huge sprawling dungeons. One thing I really didn't like about Wind Waker was how long the dungeons were, and there are only a couple of them. Yeah, like my girlfriend was saying that she found the the puzzles in the shrines trivial. Mm-hmm. Um, do they some get of them better? Get, do they get more elaborate? Them- Oh yeah, absolutely. Some of them do get more elaborate as you go on. The early ones are quite um, almost insulting, <laughs> but uh, you do come across a couple that will uh, definitely test you. 
She also wanted collectibles, and to this point, she had not found any. I think now that I've unlocked, like, the, the bestiary or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. she'll be okay. Yeah, I've been going around like, ooh, moblins, let me take a picture before I kill them. Yeah, it's back to Wind Waker. I loved <laughs> doing that. Oh my god, I filled up that, I must have filled up that entire room full of the statues. That's all I wanted. I, like, I got the colored camera... I was playing through it again. I was trying to get the pictures of the bosses just right so that they would make the yeah. statue. Oh, See, that's so one, satisfying. That's one problem I'm having with the compendium is like I'll try to take a picture and a moblin will rush me at that last second. So I have like a picture <laughs> of its loincloth, but it counts. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I okay. So I guess I I wasn't being contrarian so much as maybe I was acknowledging the back backlash a little bit. Mm-hmm. and kind of looking to see if there was a point to be found in that and i don't know like i don't think that i i, I encourage experimentation over being safe i agree and let's face it there's been a lot of complaints about zelda being too safe lately so i don't really blame nintendo for saying okay tell you what we're Here gonna go. turn it into turn it into <laughs> skyrim but really put our own spin on it what about a what about reminds you of skyrim i guess just the there was something very specific. Oh, just the the I guess the the openness of it all, but um and like kind of going on the trail and meeting other people and like hearing their stories and even sometimes rescuing them from from monsters, but I don't know. Like I said, it really has a very Nintendo spin to it. Like I can't say like I, I know one guy on Facebook who's always trolling saying, "Oh, it's just, you know, Nintendo's just taking Skyrim and reskinning it and calling it their own game," which is not it at all, of course. I mean, just one huge major difference, this is something I'll be writing about very recently, is uh, how you can climb everything and just see everything around you. And that's sure as hell something you can't do on Skyrim. But um, just something about the spirit of it, how the 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 shrines remind me a little bit of those those caves where you, you find goodies and stuff. But um, it, it definitely has its own Nintendo flavor to it, so I, I wouldn't call it a copycat by any stretch of the imagination. So what do you think of the the criticism that it's too big? Um, I can make a really lewd joke here right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold off. Um, I really don't feel that. Like, people are worried that the, the, the overworld would feel too empty, and it does not feel empty to me at all. Um, does it feel empty to you at all? Just, I, I really like the way that the mountains, yeah, they're kind of, things are kind of slower and quieter in the mountains, but... I definitely get the impression that it's meant to be like that. And whereas you go down below and there's always something to look at, something to something that catches your attention and you want to get closer to it. Like there was... Um, I, I was trying to, to get to a tower at some point and it, it's a kind of game where you, you get distracted by everything on the trail. Like a, a star happened to fall, so I was like, oh, what's that? And I went towards the star instead to find out what that was and one thing leads to another and you forget where you were going. I I don't normally like the kind of game where you're just wandering, mm-hmm. but so it makes me think a lot about Xenoblade Chronicles X, which mm-hmm. a lot of people criticize for being way too empty and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that 
the difference between Xenoblade Chronicles X and Breath of the Wild is that Xenoblade Chronicles X was driven by a very weak story. Exactly. And like side quests that were trivial to the point of being pretty boring. Um, like they were just fetch quests, like straight up. And this was also a thing that people rightfully pointed out about Final Fantasy XV, but the difference between Final Fantasy XV and Xenoblade Chronicles X was that Final Fantasy XV had a really good and solid and satisfying gameplay loop, mm-hmm. um, especially in the open world. And it still had stuff that was reasonably interesting to do. Mm-hmm. And there was a sense of accomplishment when you were completing various quests and everything. And really, you just wanted to hang out with the boys. Like, this is yeah, a the fun beautiful boy brigade. Yeah, it was fun <laughs> to hang out that, with the uh, boy brigade. One thing that uh, Breath of the Wild does, actually, I don't know if you've unlocked this yet, um, that's really clever, is to advance the story, you have to seek out these these specific regions of Hyrule, and it's up to you to find them. Um, you have a You have a picture, and you have to kind of match up the area that you're looking for with the landmarks, like a certain mountain, a certain archway, a certain statue. Uh, I did find an NPC who I did a favor for him, and he said, okay, um, let me try to help you. And he looked at my picture and said, oh, okay, that's east of here. He didn't give me any specifics, but he did kind of help me zero in on it. So I think that's a really interesting way to motivate you to to advance the story, especially since you want to find out more about Link because, well, number one, he's Link. I always kind of liked Link, but something really massive happened to him 100 years ago, and they give you some hints, but they don't give you the details. They don't really tell you what happened to Zelda. They don't all they have are people telling you, oh, hey, I remember you, you're the hero. And then they're kind of hurt that you don't remember, that he doesn't remember them. So you really want to kind of get to the bottom of everything that's going on. And I think that's a big motivation for exploring the overworld. And of course, as you explore, you you find things and it's just kind of a nice feedback loop going on. Yeah, there is definitely um, a strong central mystery that is relatively interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is that when I'm wandering through the, the world, it doesn't feel empty to me mm-hmm. um the the topography is always really interesting and it i'm is, always really kind is. of like just in awe of my surroundings and mm-hmm. like i was telling my partner that the open world is basically one big dungeon um in that you are always trying to figure out how to get over there exactly because nothing's a straight shot everything's there's some pretty clever ways like even the towers i noticed that when you climb them they're almost puzzles within themselves mm-hmm. because you have a certain amount of stamina to get up them, but there's certain roadblocks. And even the, the shrines, sometimes they're blocked off and you have to find a way to get to them. But I find that the main puzzle of uh, Breath of the Wild is scrambling to the top of a lookout point and then looking out and seeing what you need to find. Like, is there a shrine in the distance? Is there a tower? You mark it on your map and you get there. You, you just It's just a matter of finding what's interesting and going there and you're you're rewarded for your efforts it's not as if you don't find anything yeah it feels like you're kind of on a journey right like you'll be exactly kind of on the road you'll be like going toward wherever like maybe the quest pointer is pointing to or maybe you're just exploring or maybe Mm -hmm. you're just doing whatever and then it seems like you will always come upon something interesting Mm-hmm. It might be an NPC, it might be something to buy, it might be an interesting landmark, it might be um, enemies that you mm-hmm. just got to clear out. And the the quests and stuff are like consistently interesting and not really fetch questy, or at mm-hmm. least my 
at least from what I've seen. And like, there's always just something interesting to do. Like when I was near Kakariko village, it was like, I was walking around and, Oh look, there are some, um, uh, the little, the little moblins who are riding around on horses and (laughs) I will now kill them. And, Oh, I got a horse now. Sweet. Oh my God. The horse is on fire. (laughs) Fire horse. You have a ponyta. There you go. Oh, Oh God. (laughs) Oh, that poor horse. Somewhere, it's still wandering around, still on fire. Did you ever, did you ever figure out how to use stables? Uh, no. <laughs> I went to where you said. I went to the the peak or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and I was looking all over for the stables, could not find them. Really? Yeah. It's uh, shoot, I'm trying to visualize the map in my head, but there's just this long ass trail that goes through the peaks, and there's a there's a stable right there. It has a big horse head on it. Yeah, maybe I found one, but it didn't seem like there was anybody there. Oh, that's interesting. To talk to? I don't maybe know, maybe break. they're dead. <laughs> maybe they're dead or on break. Um, and the other horse, I got stuck on a mountain. <laughs> oh, no. Like you do. Um, so, yeah, I haven't had a lot of good luck with horse, and right now I'm horseless. Um, you're, you're horseless. I really like... So, this... Uh, so... This is an RPG podcast, so I've been told. And That's the rumor. Breath of the Wild is more of an RPG than I have seen out of a Zelda game, like, ever. Yeah, absolutely. you got your weapons to equip. You've got your armor to equip. You've got stat buffs. Yeah. No, you got, like, cold resistance and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like, the armor and the weapons actually have, like, stat points. Um like defensive and at- offensive attack stats. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And I mean, I'll, I'm not going to lie. Like loot can be a kind of a cheap way to make a game an RPG, but mm-hmm. I like having the loot. I like being able to dress up Link. Me too. I like my um, rad hood. <laughs> I have a hood too. Um, I like how organic the loot collection feels in uh Breath of the Wild, like just all the food growing everywhere and, you know, just grabbing apples and mushrooms and lizards and frogs and hunting, shooting birds out of the sky. Good times. It's a really lush world, isn't it? It is. It is. I really like it. There are animals everywhere. And I like tweeted out a picture. I was like something along the lines of Breath of the Wild is like Fallout 4, but pretty. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this is something I'm going to be exploring in an article next week, uh, so I don't want to spoil too much for our lovely listeners slash readers. But uh, yeah, it's uh, Breath of the Wild's overworld. As someone who is has spoken in the past about what she's kind of an apocalypse nerd, um, it's really interesting to me. And uh, just how peaceful, and yet there's you still see... A lot of signs of ruin everywhere. So it's really kind of a world that's recovering. And that just kind of makes it all the more important to put down Ganon for good. Because he's restrained, but he's not defeated by any means. Yeah, you get a real... The thing that I find interesting about Breath of the Wild is that it really is a post-apocalyptic world in Zelda terms. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one where Ganon wins, right? Yeah. And it's actually interesting to, like, look at it in the context of kind of the times 
where you have uh, people who are kind of like, from what I'm able to gather from the backstory, uh, like comfortable or like mm-hmm. confident in like their technological prowess and like their ability to like resist anything that comes their way. They have like like a big plan to stop Ganon if he ever should return. Like they know he's going to come back because apparently yeah. this is a thing now. Like he just <laughs> comes back like Dracula in Castlevania. Yeah. Um, but then like oh oh crap, Ganon turns all the robots against him. Yep. Ganon like turns the the giant beasts against them and like defeats everybody and oh crap, Hyrule's been totally obliterated. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting story point. Uh, just the fact that, yeah, they knew, okay, he's going to come back. Let's prepare. Oh, no, that went terribly wrong. Yeah, so it's interesting to see the results of Ganon winning. Mm-hmm. Ganon's kind of a jerk. He doesn't even turn the world into a dark world now. He just ruins rules over, like, a monster-filled ruin. Sounds like Kefka. There's a great moment, by the way, like, when you are sitting next to a fire... Uh, you'll see like a blood red moon and oh god that's scary all of the uh, monsters come back to life and it's like Ganon's Calamity Ganon's power grows and stuff like that mm-hmm. so I found that I pretty actually... interesting yeah I actually wrote about that uh, that'll be up by the time this podcast uh, goes up too but um, yeah I wrote about the blood moon and how it's a really clever way of lampshading enemy respawns uh, and it's it's a really nice touch because most open world games are just content to say, oh, they faded back into existence. Hooray. <laughs> but no, the, the Blood Moon is, is creepy as hell. Happens every three days, I think. Hmm. So I can see where some people like might feel a little turned off by Zelda or by Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. But personally, I really like how much it respects my intelligence as a player. Yes. It lets me go as my own pace, but it does a really good job of imparting information in a way that is really organic and natural. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like so many people have become conditioned to expect a game to not only handhold, but to explain everything ad nauseum that mm-hmm. they almost don't know what to do with a game that doesn't do that. Yeah. And like, I think a great example is just the opening sequence where you come out of the resurrection temple and immediately you're off and you can do like just explore you can just wander around like you can mm-hmm. theoretically go a lot of places you don't even have to engage with the quest if you don't want but it's right there and it's essentially yeah. a tutorial but it feels very organic and it like feels like a natural progression in the game and it's never boring you never feel like you're doing busy work no no and i really it just works yeah, I, I really enjoyed myself just so, for those first few hours uh, exploring the Great Plateau. Because even though it's a tiny part of the game, it's a huge chunk of like area to explore. And it gives you it gives you everything you really need to know about the world. You have a cold area, you have water, you have you know monsters. Uh, it's, it's not exactly safe, but when you come back to it, it does kind of feel nice and peaceful. And it just feels like there's a lot of interesting things to find. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Nadia, you're you're far, you're quite a bit further than I am. You're at a dungeon now. I oh, am. What, what's your take on the dungeon? Like, is it cool? Uh, it, it seems pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing the dungeon. I think it's called Van Ruta or, or, or something like that. It's the one that's shaped like a giant elephant. And um, there's this pretty cool sequence where to get close enough to it, I had to get on the back of the Zoro Prince, who's just like this really 
Well, I hesitate to say hot, but let's face it, he's kind of hot. <laughs> All right. And yeah, Alias so and the fish people got it. Well, not usually. I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> uh, not usually. No, it's okay. <laughs> Putting human features on anthropomorphic animals um, can be disturbingly hot. Well, it's like there was someone who previewed the game. I can't remember who it was. They were saying, I think it was Jeff Green. He was saying how everyone's going to be thirsty for this non-human character the way they're thirsty for Garrus in uh, Mass Effect. And uh, I was trying to guess who it is. It was either the giant-ass parrot, Cass, or it was that Zora prince I was talking about. <laughs> but, or both. But anyway, um, yeah, so that was kind of interesting where you're riding on his back and you're trying to shoot down the the elephant's defenses. Um, but I only just got into the, the dungeon. So far, it seems like a, a definitely a more standard Zelda dungeon, so your girlfriend, I think, w- would like it. Yeah, uh, I heard that they're really long. Okay, I think Mike said they take about half an hour to get through, but I'm not sure, to be honest. He said that he was, like, taking hours to get through them. Really? Yeah, like, he said it, like, took all afternoon or something ridiculous. Like, all evening, he was up until, like, 3 in the morning working on one of them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, at least, uh, that's, so, at least uh, that's my recollection. But He also said that there's a that really big difficulty spike. <laughs> Just what I need. Which <laughs> he actually likened to Dark Souls. Yeah, I've, I think I remember him complaining about that. So I'm actually really curious to see what he means. Me too. Because uh, I'll definitely say this much, this game has sharpened my combat skills a little bit. Yeah, holy crap. It really kicks it- your ass, doesn't it? It does not show much mercy. You really do. I have died a lot. Um, I've died in many different ways. Um, I, I think it's a really like wake, a really big wake up call. The first time you like sidle up to a monster camp and they just kill the hell out of you. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, there's that skull in the opening area, and there's like a blue moblin thing waiting inside. Yeah. And it comes out and it just slashes you, and all of your hearts go away, and you're dead. Yeah. And uh, that was my first big wake up um and that's also <laughs> when i realized that um enemy attacks matter well the enemy type matters but also the weapons that they're wielding and then you get set on fire by lasers and you like die fighting things or you fall off a mountain et cetera, there was et a, i had some really big problems with uh, getting up into zora's domain because you can't climb it because it's too slippery by design but uh, there's a big, long, winding path, and there's a lot of lizzlefoles, and they're armed with um, with lightning arrows. And not only do lightning arrows shock you, but they make you drop your weapons. Oh, God. Unless you have, like, lightning resistance potions, or you're... Uh, I think if a, a weapon is made out of wood or, or something similar, you'll hang on to it, but still, yeah. Really interesting that they have you, like, using potions is such a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very... Mi- rem- it reminds me of Witcher 3. Yeah, and I will say, like I said on my on a piece that I put up on the on the site, use the potions. Don't be shy. No, you really do. Um, yeah, it's really helpful. I, I think that's something that you can sometimes forget about when you're playing a game like mm-hmm. this. But yeah, like as Nadia said, definitely use the potions because otherwise you're gonna regret it. Yeah, and I mean the resources to find them to to make them are fairly common. Not common enough to make it a pointless gesture, but uh, definitely it's the kind of thing that makes you stop and pick up whatever you can, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, because you never know when you're going to need it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, 
Yeah, like we haven't finished Breath of the Wild. And to tell you the truth, I sincerely doubt that I'm going to be able to finish it anytime soon. I'm going to try. Man, I really want to, but I got so many other games to play, uh, including Chrono Trigger, to be honest. Oh, yay. Um, Yeah, like you missed the whole last episode, Nadia, but I gave a big Chrono Trigger report. I'm sorry I cheated on you. Oh, yeah. Um, But I'm up through Zeal now. Oh, nice. Or like I'm going back into Zeal because mm-hmm. I have you got my time, out the pod. First time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going back. Um, and I, I really want to kind of see what happens next because I'm like I'm all in on Chrono Trigger, but I just kind of had a giant deluge of games, and it's a yeah. little like overwhelming at the moment. Yeah, and I guess I I should mention that uh, the Persona Four report. Like I've been playing the game, I just uh, haven't had time to to really report on it. No, absolutely. Um, but really quickly, how far are you? I just uh, recruited Naoto. Oh, okay. So you're, so you're not that much further than from where you were last time. No, but it, the summer vacation kind of uh, uh, scenario that takes that takes up quite a bit of time. Hmm. So. All right. Okay. So you did Naoto's dungeon, and now you have Naoto in your party. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So I, yeah. I went through summer vacation. I, I did a whole bunch of stuff. You know, I, I think we're going to have to find a time to do a Chrono Trigger and a Persona 4 Golden Report next week. That would sound, that would be amazing. Just kind of have an extra, extra little thing. Yeah. I mean, I think next week is just going to be a catch up week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like Torment. Uh, I'm going to get uh, Torment Tides and Numenera in here. I'm going to get. um. Gonna talk some near automata, and we'll have to do like a Persona Four Golden report and a uh, a Torment Tides of Numenera or a Chrono Trigger report, and that's gonna be like a <laughs> freaking three hour podcast. Boy, oh boy! God, I, I, I cover, think though, jeez. Yeah, no, I'd like to do that very much because I, I I want to talk Chrono Trigger and I want to talk Persona. So yeah, I think everybody wants us to talk Persona and Chrono Trigger. I think you so. know you know who would facilitate that if Nintendo mm-hmm. put Chrono Trigger on the Switch. Yeah, I could deal with that. I would I'm love... Sur- I, I want virtual console games on this thing because they would look so good on that screen. Oh my god. I'm surprised that Persona 5 is uh, not going to be on the Switch as far as we know. Yeah, I'm not. You're um, not? Yeah, because it's actually kind of an upset that it's even on the PS4. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason really? it's on the PS4 is because it's been on in, in development for so long that finally they're like, fine, mm-hmm. God, we should put on the PS4 <laughs> too, I guess. <laughs> I guess. That's right. It's on PS3 too. Yeah. Because uh, the PS3 has the larger install base, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Makes Switch sense. has no install base yet. But give yep. it time. I, yeah, gar- I, I I almost guarantee that if Persona 5 is enough of a hit and the Switch like keeps up some of the momentum that it has through the fall, uh, Persona 5 will make it eventually. Or I hope Persona it does really well red. in Japan because, good God, I want so many games on this thing from there. Mm, me too. I'm really eager to see how it does in Japan. Yeah, me too. All right. This has been our slightly disjointed uh, Zelda talk. Um, I think we'll come back to it at some point in the future like uh maybe we'll have um mike on here or we'll have other people on here to talk about it unfortunately mike wasn't able to join us today but uh i think we'll have a lot more to say about zelda mm-hmm. in the future i mean yeah this is God, the last like, of zelda we have so sure. many games to play right now i got kind of got mass effect andromeda that i need to be reviewing like uh-huh yeah i mean i mean 
It's a hard job, I know. It's tough. Someone's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Um, but, you know, if I weren't in the games press right now, let's be honest, like, it would be all Zelda all the time for me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I have made my decision. And the decision <laughs> is Zelda. Because I really like it. It's really yeah, good. It's... Yeah, it's a very it's a very relaxing game, and yet very stressful. It's a and very yet... relaxing and very sophisticated game. Um, and I really like it. I just remember the the time, I guess it's okay to, to mention this, that uh, the Mike was still playing it to review it, and um, we were talking about, in a meeting, you know, just Zelda topics that we should be writing about in the future, and Mike just says in this quiet, seething voice, why don't you talk about how this game can be a real dick sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> because he'd just been, like, through uh, one of the shrines with the motion controls, which are admittedly not my favorites. Oh, God, yeah. Maybe uh, that was a weird decision, and I think actually... Um, is actually something justif- that should be justifiably criticized. Uh, screw motion controls. There was one place it's implemented really well in the game that I've seen so far, and that's where you take... Uh, it- it's part of another puzzle where you use the motion controls to kind of tilt and swing a hammer to, to knock a ball through a-, a box. That was kind of neat. I enjoyed that. But uh, I don't enjoy those little like tilty device things. Screw those. No, absolutely. Screw those. Um, do you have any final thoughts on Zelda before we like finish up? Uh, I know I'd like to go and, and play it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's pretty telling, right? It kind of is, isn't it? No, I'm really enjoying it. It's. Uh, I haven't been this excited about a Zelda game since Ocarina of Time, so it it gets an A plus from me. Yeah, I haven't been this excited about a Zelda game since Twilight Princess. So Yeah, I was excited about that too, but something about Ocarina of Time and Breath oh. of the Wild both called out to me. Link Between Worlds. Link, Link Between be- Worlds, um, I wound up adoring it, but I was really hesitant about it at first, so that was the only I had literally no interest in going in it, and I came out mm-hmm. like utterly smitten by it. Exactly. I and that wound up really loving that game. Yeah, and that was one thing that made me realize, you know what, Breath of the Wild might be pretty good. It didn't have a name back then, but Everyone just knew that there was going to be a new 3D Zelda, and after Skyward Sword, we were all kind of worried. Yeah. Well, it turned out... I'm really interested to, like, see what we think about it in posterity, but because whenever a new Zelda comes out, the rhetoric around it is always insane. Even Skyward (laughs) Sword. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Zelda fans are crazy. Yeah. uh, As we were alluding to in another podcast, like, it's hard to... It's hard to have a real conversation about Zelda until like two or three years after the game's been out. Something about this one, though, feels very solid, very, I don't know. It just feels genuine through and through. Not to say it doesn't have its fault. Of course it does. But um, it just feels like something I'll look back on. I don't know if I'll get a chance to play through it again, because God knows it's big. But it's. Uh, I think it's creating some good, lasting memories for myself. I agree. Um, I just, I really find it super relaxing and enjoyable to play. And I think that is really bolstered by the fact that I can play it on my Switch, like pretty Mm -hmm. much anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, it just feels like a game that I can play on my own terms rather than the, on the game's terms. The fact that right before this podcast, like I had my Switch out and I was like playing a bit of Zelda, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 
Like the fact that I can just have my Switch sitting right there on my desk and it can just come right to my hand and I can start playing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's very it's a very addictive feeling because I'll be honest, at first I wasn't playing uh I I wasn't playing the Switch handheld very much. I was just playing Zelda on my TV and then what actually spurred me to get into the handheld mode was because frankly the the frame rates in the game are not great at times. Uh mm. and but I they, I didn't really start noticing it until I was at the uh the Deku Tree, which is a very busy sort of forest environment, mm. and things got so choppy that I started feeling sick. And um, I had heard that the frame rates were much better in uh, handheld mode, so I said, oh, "Okay, I'll just do this section in handheld mode." And after since then, I've been hooked. I haven't been able to go back to TV. I'm sure I will, but I don't feel a need to right now. Do frame rates bother you? Usually, no. Um, like I was saying, you kind of notice them sometimes in Zelda when things get really busy, but uh, I am not a, a frame rate sort of person. I usually don't care. The only reason I started to care was because I started feeling sick at the Deku Tree. It just got so choppy. I guess, like, a game being in, like, a really nice 60 frames per second can certainly look great. Mm-hmm. And I suppose is worthy of praise, but I think that people treat it as an end-all and be-all a little too much. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, I, that's... congratulations! It runs at sixty frames per second in four K. Is it yeah. a good game? <laughs> Is it fun to play? Hmm, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Um, and that kind of goes for Zelda. Um, I mean, like when Dark Souls came out back in the day, like yeah, the frame rate went to shit in Blight Town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, did any did that? Did people care in the long run? No, not really. Like people bitched about Blight Town, but the game itself was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind that kind of goes for Zelda. Like, yeah, the frame rate might go to shit sometimes, but I mean, I think that's the thing that you can get over when the rest of the game is really pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm far more concerned with how visually interesting it is versus how smoothly it runs, and it's a very visually interesting game for me. Very I mean, just so. the just the way the horses move, it just still still takes my breath away, my breath of the wild, if you will. I love that I'm basically wandering wandering around Glencoe in Scotland. Which yeah. is one of the most beautiful areas I've ever seen. Yeah, I've never been there myself, but it does kind of have that Scottish wildlands look to it, doesn't it? And even the horses look kind of Clydesdale-ish. Yeah, they're, it's really breathtaking. Um, I just like how green it is. It's a very green land. Yeah, and, and I like how stylized it is. That's uh, part of the reason I kind of want to preserve it is it's like, well, it's so pretty. I don't really want Ganon to get his hands back on this. Ganon's a dick. Ganon's a dork. Alright, if you like Acts of the Blood God, you should give us a positive review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are sold. Um, yeah, like, drop us a comment. It will increase the visibility of the podcast. Um, if you want to reach out to me personally and send me a comment, reach out to me at cat.bailey at usgamer.net. Um, by the way, mm. um, I've been getting a lot of emails lately. Yay! Um, Please know that I am seeing your emails. I'm not ignoring you. It's just like there's so many really thoughtful and interesting comments coming in that I really want to read on the podcast that I have not had a chance to be able to do so yet because we should really have a a mailbag edition. I'm really thinking that we should because um, there's a lot to kind of go back to, but -hmm. there's also so much to cover at the moment that I don't really want to like miss it. So it feels like something that we should make maybe put away for like a rainy day yeah um, but we don't have too many rainy days <laughs> we really don't we always have something to talk about um though 
And something else to keep in mind, Nadia, we're coming up on episode 100. Are we really? Oh my goodness. Yep, we're coming up on episode 100, so we're going to have to think of something interesting to do. That's very exciting. If you have any ideas, by the way, send an email, send me an email or drop me a tweet at the underscore catbot. By the way, Nadia is over at Nadia Oxford. And of course, follow U, uh, US Gamer on all of the social media feeds, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, like us there. Follow us. Star us. Love us. Um, Hug us. Whatever. Um, US Gamer Net. So, um, yeah, next time we're going to be talking about Near Automata. We'll be reinstituting the Chrono Trigger and Persona 4 Golden Reports. We might sneak in a little Tormentized Numenera, or, or we might end up sneaking in more Zelda. Um, we'll see what ends up happening. But yes, we, we have not forgotten those other games. Uh, Absolutely we will not. We're getting to them. There's a lot to cover, but we mm-hmm. will do it. So until then, uh, I've been Cat Bailey, and for Nadia and myself, uh, thanks for listening, and happy Zelda. <laughs>